The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Welcome back to the Chris and Joe Show presented to you by SB Nation and Big Blue View. I'm Joe DeLeon, joined by Chris Flum. We are finally, officially in draft week. We finally have something sports-related that is live to look forward to after an absence of sports for over a month now, if I'm correct. And we finally get to see what we've been working our way towards. We've put all these hours in watching film, breaking down prospects on the show, writing up reports, you name it, all of the stuff that Chris and I, and Chris a little bit more than me, actually significantly more than me, have done over this past few months. We can finally see it all come to its full culmination, getting to see who the Giants actually pick and be able to fully digest where the direction of this team is going to be going under new head coach Joe Judge. So for the first two shows of the week before the draft starts on Thursday, April 23rd, the two shows that we're going to be doing are covering the offense and the defense one final time for these prospects so you know everything you need to know come draft time come the time that the pick is in at four all the way through pick number 255 you have a sense of who some of these guys are what they mean for the roster as well as a sense of who the giants could take and should take and maybe who you would want them to take the way we're going to do today's show though chris is that we're going to be breaking down each position group and talking about two to three of the best fits per position group. And when we say best fits, it's just talking about guys that fill needs based on holes at position groups, who fits the scheme, who fits the roster building mentality of Gettleman, Jason Garrett, Patrick Graham, Joe Judge, the full group, not just Dave Gettleman, and also how certain guys will fit in formations based on the scheme and how they fit into what this new team is going to look like. Chris, our first position group that we're going to talk about today is one that is probably the least amount of a positional need for the Giants than any, and that is the running back position group. We came up with two names here, one a thumper, the other one receiving back, that being A.J. Dillon from Boston College, and then James Robinson, the shifty small back from Illinois State. Yeah, for a long time, I've thought there are two ways the Giants could go about looking at running backs this year. The first is either to get a guy who can 
pick up snaps from Saquon Barkley, give Barkley a rest with a similar skill set. You know, he can make guys miss who he can run out of a variety of blocking schemes. He can catch, you know, just kind of an all around back. And James Robinson probably is that guy, middle, middle, late rounds. The other way I've been going is to get a specialist, a niche player who fills a role the Giants don't really have. And I don't see anyone in the draft who does that better than A.J. Dillon. And just based on his size and measurements, I'm sure a lot of people thought he would be transitioning to fullback in the NFL. Then the combine happened, and this dude is not a fullback. He is a running back. He might be 250 pounds, but about 200 pounds of that is in his legs, and he can move. Now, the way he moves is pretty much in a straight line over and through anyone in his way, and that's kind of the only weakness in Saquon Barkley's game. He is not a between-the-tackles runner. He can do it, but he doesn't like to. He isn't just a stick-his-nose-in-a-hole and pick up whatever the offensive line ha- is able to block for him. That that just isn't his game. He wants to hit the home runs. He wants to hit the cutback lane. He wants to make five defenders miss and then turn on the Jets. But sometimes you have to hit those quick four to five yard gains between the tackles. You just have to get that, get that yardage, get that play done. And Dylan's a guy who can do that. Robinson I'll let you speak on him more because, you know, he's the small school guy, but he does have that really great receiving ability. And he's a guy we, when we were setting up our big board, we were just kind of like, how weren't more people talking about him during the year, even though it's a small school, a receiving back with his ability normally gets a lot more press at the national level. The, the deal with A.J. Dillon and, and Robinson, how we kind of went about this and Chris, you, you really went into a, a great deep dive there on, are processing here. And, and we spoke about this way at the beginning of the offseason when evaluating the position group. We said if they're going to add someone, they're going to add a big bodied guy that can be a change of pace and just a straight thumper. And if you look at Jason Garrett and the types of running backs that have been employed in his offense and in the teams that he's coached, you have Ezekiel Elliott who is not primarily a, you know a speed guy but he's he's more so a thumper he's a big running back he can take a lot of carries he can pick up big chunk yards DeMarco Murray same boat Alfred Morris those guys are between the tackle guys and I think AJ Dillon would be the extreme of that he would perfectly fit that change of pace for Saquon Barkley as just having an extra head to get Barkley off the field get him a a breather and then let let him run his face mask right into the line of scrimmage and pick up a few yards here or there wherever you need him to. And then the other one which went in line with the signing of Dion Lewis was going and getting a smaller more shifty guy that is primarily going to be more of a third down player. Someone like like with Dylan would be a change of pace, but more so in the sense of using him as a receiver, getting him out there and throwing the ball to him and hoping that he can make some plays in space similar to what Barkley does, but a bit more on a, a compact level. And I think Robinson really fits that that mold. But he can also thump between the tackles. He can run between the line of scrimmage or at the line of scrimmage and, and be aggressive and pick up those chunk yards. He has a ton of touches and was a focal point for that 
Illinois State offense. They're probably not going to have the same amount of usage, but he could very well be a very firm change of pace. Chris, for the receiver group, we talked about what would be the best need right now for that position group. And if you look at what they have right now, they have Darius Slayton, who is a burner, very fast receiver. They have Golden Tate and Sterling Shepard, who are a bit smaller and are fairly consistent in making catches. The one thing it seems like they're missing right now is a, a true X receiver, a true number one that is bigger, more of a big-bodied player, that is a, a red zone threat, that is a, a, a post-up machine. And, and the guys that we thought of that would add that extra level are Chase Claypool and Michael Pittman Jr. Yeah, we also talked about Denzel Mims, but I think we both kind of agreed that if the Giants pick him, it would have to be at 36th overall, the top of the second round. And it's not exactly likely that he'll even fall that far. He might not make it out of the first round. So that kind of left led us to Claypool and Pittman Jr. Everybody saw the show that Claypool put on at the Combine. We don't really have to go into what kind of height, weight, speed freak he is. And he is. Pittman, he really surprised at the Combine. A lot of people had some serious questions about what kind of athlete he is. You know, he's big, he's physical, he's a good route runner, he's a very dependable receiver, but there were questions about whether or not he had the athleticism to be a uh, an X receiver at the NFL level, or if he would just be a big physical possession receiver. And the Giants do need to find that X receiver. They need to find their Vincent Jackson uh, Plexico Burris, a, a Hakeem Nix, a Des Bryant, or an Amari Cooper, that guy who can really command double teams from a defense and then go up and get the ball, who can stretch the defense, force them to play either a cover two or a cover four, or if they happen to be playing with a single high safety, to roll that safety to one side. Because in the type of offense it looks like the Giants are going to run, that is the player that frees things up for the entire rest of the offense. That frees up your speed guy in Slayton to be able to jet down the field and make plays like uh, Miles Austin used to. That frees up the players underneath, like the tight end position, like uh, Dez and Cooper. Uh, Terrell Owens always did for Jason Witten. And it also helps out the running game by forcing the defense to play with six in the box because it is a lot easier for an offensive line to block up six guys than eight guys. And really a lot of rushing production can be determined before the snap just by looking at the box count. And if you have your speed receiver and your X receiver who can force the defense to play back and defend the whole field, that makes it easier on everybody. I think the one thing, too, that needs to be clarified when we're talking about bringing in a, a number one receiver, I think sometimes fans would assume that when you hear number one receiver, like, oh, you're bringing in a guy that's going to be the, the primary target and the ball's always going to be coming to him. He's the, you know, the first guy on the depth chart, supposed to be the best player in the group. That's not necessarily the case here. When we're talking about a number one, uh, an X receiver, it just means where he's lining up on the field and what his role is going to be in the offense. And right now, this, this team really does need that type of a player to fill this role for what Jason Garrett's going to implement for what that position group needs to fully round it out. And it goes in line with the one thing that 
Chris has said multiple times that I love as an analogy is that you want to build your receiver group as a basketball team. You want to have some depth and you want to have some variety. You don't want to have the same guy at every single spot. Otherwise, you're going to have some problems running various passing concepts. Chris, the tight end position is a little bit harder for us to talk about here, which is why we only have one guy. This position group is very clearly the weakest in this whole entire draft class. Hell, when we put together the big board, the first guy we had was bottom second round. And, you know, that was being a bit generous when we when we decided to do that. It, it wasn't easy to come up with a guy because we don't really have any precedent on Dave Gettleman drafting tight ends and who might fit it. But I think that this team does need a tight end because Evan Ingram has failed to stay healthy. So a guy that might kind of work with what Jason Garrett has used in his career is a big bodied tight end that's not maybe not the most athletic, but is consistent, has consistent hands, can make seven to eight grabs, that kind of stuff. And I think the guy that, that came to mind was Adam Troutman. Yeah, you know, he's not a super athlete. He's athletic, but not not on the order of some of the tight ends we've seen come out in recent years. He is a guy who can work the middle of the field. He can block at the line of scrimmage. He can be a receiving threat in the red zone. And really, that's what the Giants need, especially if they want to move away from Ingram, if he continues to have issues staying on the field, or if he just isn't in their plans. So they need a guy like that, and that is Troutman. But unfortunately, tight end is a serious weakness. Like you said, it is easily the weakest position in this draft class. And, you know, I think we've almost said enough about it. (laughs) Yeah, you really can't even go too deep on it because there's probably not a high chance that they do draft a tight end because they did sign Levine Toilolo. You still have Caden Smith. But I I think that depending on on how much impact and... um, persuasion Jason Garrett can have he could have his way in saying like hey let, let's get ourselves a you know a young tight end that we can work into the mix and and have a, a, a strong number two to work in line with with Evan Ingram to, to fit what he's done in the past and seeing what they had with with Jason Witten for so long he might already be trying to make that push to find that next guy we're going to talk about the offensive line to finish up today's show but before we do that we're going to take a very short commercial break support for this show comes from atlassian atlassian software like jira confluence and loom help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone because individually we're great but together we're so much better That's why millions of teams around the world, including 75% of the Fortune 500, trust Atlassian Software for everything from space exploration and green energy to delivering pizzas and podcasts. Whether you're a team of two, 200 or 2 million, or whether your team is around the corner or on another continent altogether, Atlassian Software is built to help keep you all on the same page from start to finish. That way, every one of your teams, from engineering and IT to marketing, HR and legal, can stay connected and move together as one towards shared company-wide goals. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team 
at Atlassian.com. That's A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com. Atlassian. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Offensive tackle is easily one of the biggest needs that this offense needs right now, especially that right tackle position because Cameron Fleming probably isn't the answer. He was brought in more as a depth piece, as a guy that can come in and compete, but also a veteran that has been around for a while and and just an added head to the locker room. But at that fourth overall spot, there's a huge conversation of which tackle are the Giants going to take if they don't go Isaiah Simmons and also what tackle could they take in the second round? The three names that we were able to justify and come up with were Jedrick Wills, Tristan Wirfs for that first round spot, and then once you get to that second round, Josh Jones if he's still available. Yeah, I, I think there are arguments to be made for both Wills and Wirfs, and we will probably be going back and forth on that right up until the draft itself and we find out which one is selected first. You know, which one the Giants do select, assuming they do select one of them. Wills is probably the higher floor player. He, he's uh, He's got more consistent technique right now. He's still a good athlete. He is a good player. He's a good pass protector. He's a good run blocker. Worfs is just on another level athletically. So he is probably the higher ceiling player. But he does have some issues with his pass protection and run blocking that do show up occasionally. So he's just a tiny little bit more of a project for whatever coaching staff happens to get him. They're both very good players. They both should be good tackles. And both of them should be able to step right in and become a starter for the Giants and hopefully lock down the right right tackle spot for years to come. I think it gets more interesting if the Giants don't draft an offensive lineman in the first round and have to wait until the second round. Josh Jones has been a really polarizing prospect. I, I have seen people say he will be drafted up into the top 20, and I have seen people saying he is a second rounder. You know, we... I don't think we were as high on him as a lot of people were. And I think that could be because a lot of his appeal is potential-based. You know, he is a very good athlete, but he is also a very inconsistent tackle. He can have great plays, and then he can have very frustrating plays, which is kind of the thing you are going to have to deal with if you are drafting in the second round. Those guys are going to have some warts regardless of which one we're looking at because there are a few in this tier that have the potential to start have the potential to be good players but they've got issues additionally the logic with talking about who really goes where and and who would be a good fit for the giants wills and werfs had 
played right tackle in their careers in college, but we know that they have the versatility to play left tackle if they need to. Um, Diedrich Wills was a right tackle primarily because he was the blind spot protector for a lefty quarterback into a tag of Iloa. Tristan Wirfs played primarily right tackle, but did sub in as a left tackle in some games in his career. So we've seen him do both. We know that they have that positional versatility. And what that means is that they can start out as right tackles if they're drafted early. And then eventually when Nate Solder is no longer on the team in a few seasons, they could then make that switch to left tackle instead of having to sign, draft, whatever, to bring in a new guy. They'd have that experience. They'd already been in the league enough years. They would have developed by then, and they could make that switch over pretty cleanly. Josh Jones, too, was more of a conversation of, again, who really could fit as a, a right tackle as an early second-round pick. And if he does not end up going in the end of the first, like some of these projection, projections are having him at, he could very well fit as a, a quality right tackle and, and do much better there. For the interior, guard is not really a need right now for the Giants. You have Kevin Zeidler, you have Will Hernandez, who are arguably the two, pe- two best players on your offensive line. So you could probably assume the two guys that we're pitching here are our top two center prospects who... If that tackle is taken care of in the first round, you could go with one of these guys in the second round, maybe even third. That is Cesar Ruiz from Michigan and Lloyd Cushenberry III from LSU. Ruiz, there's a good shot he might even go in the end of the first round. If that does happen, Cush provides a really good secondary option. Both of them are very, very talented and have had very good careers. Yeah, we've been pretty consistent that Ruiz is the top center. If the Giants can get him at the top of the second round, he has to be in heavy consideration for them. He does pretty much everything well. He can play in man blocking. He can play in zone blocking. He is athletic enough. He He has a very powerful lower body, and he has good size. Cushenberry, just physically, athletically, is a little bit more in the Gettleman mold than Ruiz. He's a little bit taller. He's 10, 15 pounds heavier. He has very long arms, especially for an interior lineman. And he is, he had a very good showing at the senior bowl, which the giants do kind of pay attention to that, which that might even carry even more weight this year because they haven't been able to make all of the scouting trips they normally do. He did have that good showing. He did show out. He was one of the consistently best offensive linemen at the Senior Bowl. He was able to deal with the defensive linemen that pretty much no other interior linemen were able to. And of course, he does have that national championship pedigree. So I think there could wind up being an interesting conversation between the two of them if they're both there. But I would say it's more likely that Cushenberry is there at the top of the second for the Giants to pick. With them not adding any centers during free agency, despite there being speculation that they would at least go after one, a guy like Connor McGovern was one that we kept talking about. They didn't end up going after anyone. So that really opens the door for them to spend an early draft pick to not try and bring a guy to develop him, but rather take someone who can come in and start and compete right away. 
these are the two best guys that really can do that. They can step in, they can start, there's no playing around, there's no huge glaring errors that are going to turn them into developmental prospects that might not even fully work out. Ruiz and Cushenberry are the two best guys that we graded, two as highest guys that we had on our boards, and like I said, they can step in, they can start, and they can be that centerpiece for the offensive line for a significantly long time. To wrap up today's show, because the quarterback position is not a need, and the Giants will certainly be not pulling an Arizona Cardinals and taking a second quarterback early this year, maybe a potential they take a young backup at the very end of the draft. We decided we weren't going to just skip over the quarterbacks, but instead wanted to have a a discussion on what order we think that these guys are actually going to go in. So Chris, why don't you go ahead and go first and speak on the order in which the top quarterbacks will be going in that that you feel will happen. Yeah, I think there is a difference between what I think will happen and what I think should happen. I I think we're both going to be in agreement that Joe Burrow will go first. Just the season he had, it was phenomenal. One of the best seasons by any quarterback ever. Things get interesting at at two and three. If he were healthy, I think Tua Tagovailoa would absolutely be the second quarterback off the board, and he would probably be pushing Joe Burrow for first quarterback taken. He has good mobility, good arm talent, great field deci- field vision. He's a good decision maker, and yeah, I th- basically I think the only concern about a healthy Tua that a team could have is that he's left-handed, which to me is kind of a non-issue. Maybe that's because I'm I'm left-handed, but whatever. <laughs> However, Tua isn't healthy. Yeah, you know, he had a bad injury. Now he looks good in the videos we've seen of him. But teams haven't had a chance to work him out personally. They haven't had a chance to have him into their facilities and have their doctors go over him with a fine-tooth comb to get a really good sense and a really good comfort level for where he is with that injury and what his future could be like. So I think possibly just out of caution because – come down to it, NFL teams are going to be cautious. They are going to err on the side of caution when it comes to decisions that could impact their the fortunes of their franchise for the next five to ten years. Like There's too much money involved to take a big risk. So I think Justin Herbert will be second off the board and then Tua. You know, in terms of just ability as a player, Herbert is not in the same league. Well, he will be in the same league, but not he is not the same caliber quarterback as Tua. You know, he's big, he's athletic, he's got a really strong arm, but he just doesn't have all of the polish and intangibles as a quarterback that Tua does. Then uh, some team is going to get infatuated with Jordan Love. Too big, too athletic, his arm is too good. He can be a maddening quarterback to watch because he can make a phenomenal throw and then just derp the next play. He will probably be the fourth off the board. Then Jacob Eason, again, big rocket arm. And teams love that. It, it doesn't matter how great 
a season Kyler Murray can have. There's always going to be a team who wants the six foot six howitzer of a quarterback. From there, I've got Jalen Hurts, who, yeah, I'm. I think I'm going to be a lot higher on him than the NFL will be. He's going to be a quarterback who needs to land in the right place. He he is kind of like Kyler Murray or Dak Prescott or Russell Wilson in that he needs to be able to incorporate his legs into his game as a quarterback. But I think he does have a lot more passing ability than people think, which granted he was not a great passer at Alabama. He really blossomed under Lincoln Riley at Oklahoma, but we have seen that style of offense really thrive at the NFL level. So if he lands in the right situation, I do think he can be a good NFL quarterback. And then finally, Jake Fromm, who I really do like. I think the concerns about his arm are overstated. I think he has enough arm talent to be able to play in the NFL. He's a really good, really safe decision maker, really quick, compact release. Again, I think he's a better athlete than people give him credit for. But overall, he is very safe, but I don't think he is exciting enough to get drafted above the other guys. I think the other guys are just going to capture the imaginations of scouts and GMs to the degree that Fromm gets forgotten about a little bit. The way I had my ordering here was very similar for the first few. Burrow, very clear, is going to be that number one guy. I don't think anyone is going to argue that he's not going to be the first quarterback off the board. And then I went Herbert Tua. And the the reasoning why is not because Herbert is the better quarterback prospect, but rather he's a bit of a safer option. I think that the the Dolphins or whoever ends up trading up will will take Herbert first because they know he doesn't have any injury issues. They they know that they can at least get uh, you know an average quarterback that can play for uh, hopefully seven to ten years and the, the issue with Tua is that all these medicals are are really hurting the perspective on on what he can actually do on the field and I think it's getting drowned out by how good he was in college by the fact that he had these injury concerns he had the major hip injury he also had a lot of ankle problems uh, just consistently not fully healthy and that's really enough to turn a team away because you don't want to draft a guy like Sam Bradford who barely plays for your team and then you end up trading him. You, you don't want to put yourself in that position and get too hung up on the upside of a, of a quarterback because of it. And, and with all these issues with not being able to actually meet a prospect in person and properly go through and do medicals, that is really killing too his draft stock. And that's why you keep hearing all of these reports that teams are starting to fall on him more. And even also the reports of teams still being higher on Herbert over Tua, even if uh, Tua was 100% healthy. After that is Love, and I think Love's going to go a lot earlier than people want to admit. I think he's going to go in the top 15, top 20, just because some team is going to be absolutely in love with what he can do. Someone's going to trade up. Someone's going to make a big splash move for Jordan Love, thinking, thinking that they can get the next Patrick Mahomes and hope that they can develop him into that next big playmaker quarterback with a huge arm. I went from over Eason just because I think uh, from has a little bit more to offer mentally as a, you know, as a quarterback and he's a little bit more of a proven winner. It just seems that guys like that might not always get drafted high. He'll probably be a second rounder, but 
because of him being a consistent winner, certain teams are just going to fall in love with that and, and want to to ride with a player like that. And then Eason, last off, like you talked about, huge, huge guy with a gigantic arm, not really all there in what you'd hope he could be in a quarterback prospect, but there's always going to be a team like the Broncos that just wants the really big dude with the big arm and think that they can go back to these old traditional molds for quarterbacks that are statues and all they do is is you know throw the rock as far as they can. And certain teams do have that old school philosophy, so they're going to be trying to take a, a flyer on a guy like that. That is going to be it for us here on today's show. Thank you for tuning in. Be sure to rate and subscribe wherever you're listening to us and follow us on social media at Big Blue View and at Joe DeLeon. And you can follow Chris at Raptor MKII. On Wednesday, we're going to be giving you our final defensive preview. And then Thursday, it all finally hits.